everyone. How's it going? Welcome back to the podcast. Today we are talking to Meili Tao. Meili wears lots of different hats, but one that caught my attention was that her family was featured in the 2020 documentary, The Donut King. And Meili is also an author, and she published her own book called An American Dream with Sprinkles, documenting her mom's journey from the jungles of Cambodia to becoming a donut queen. And also a little bit about Meili's journey as well. And then now, Meili is also a consultant and a entrepreneur herself, having started several businesses on her own. Meili is an amazing podcaster, too. She has a podcast called Short and Sweet, which is a podcast that talks about a wide range of topics, talking to a diverse group of young AAPI creators and entrepreneurs, and it's always a fun listen. So we are excited to have Meili Tao with us. Hey, Meili, how's it going? Your Donut Princess. It's such a pleasure to be here and to chat with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no, we're happy to have you, man. It's uh, You're a busy person, so it's kind of hard to, to tie you down. But what have you been up to lately? Well, per- on the personal side, uh, now that I get to have a life, <laughs> I have been traveling and planning my wedding. Oh, So that's super exciting. Congratulations. Life things that are happening. <laughs> And on the business side, you know, I have my Donut Princess brand, which is pretty much an umbrella parent company to a lot of things that truly just make my heart whole and lots of things that I feel has really shaped me over the years to kind of find what my true passion is. Mm-hmm. And I also am still on my book tour. Uh I speak at schools (laughs) and for companies on what the AAPI experience is like, as well as what being a donut kid was like. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the podcast, you do that too. (laughs) And the podcast too. So the podcast, you know, I feel like podcasters don't get enough of that recognition of just the feeling of having these amazing people and Mm -hmm. captivating their stories and sharing it with the community. Because I know growing up, I wish that there was podcasts when I was growing up. Like I would probably listen to a lot of them to find like new perspectives, to get some knowledge in an industry you might not know. And obviously to, to be inspired, you know, all the guests that I bring on, they truly inspire me. And I really created that platform because there was not there's not enough AAPI representation out there. And I also wanted to uplift my fellow AAPI community members and entrepreneurs and show like people that, especially the younger generation, that you can literally do anything. You don't have to be a doctor or a lawyer. <laughs> there are like other your options. Yeah. Say. <laughs> yeah, there are other options out there. Yeah, no, I love it. You're doing some great stuff. So we'll catch up with a little bit of it. But can we go back a little? Can we dig into your roots? Of course. <laughs> so let's see. You are born in LA. Yes. And you are. So how do you de- how do you describe your ancestry? You're a little Chuchao, a little Khmer. So my grandparents on my mom's side uh, immigrated to Cambodia from the south of China. So it's Dichu or Chuchao descent. Um, and then my dad, he has some Thai and Chinese, same Dichu, <laughs> also born in Cambodia. And then I was born in America. Uh So if you really think about it, technically, Chinese, Cambodian, Thai, American. Uh (laughs) And really, you know, I feel 
constantly that I'm never like enough of one ethnicity or enough of one category. And truth be told, you know, I, I do highlight a lot of my culture on my Instagram. So I share about, did you like, I I teach people, did you, I go to like Cambodian restaurants and share like how my mom cooks Cambodian. Uh Um, And you know, I've received some kind of like hate stuff of like, oh, you're neither of these or, you know, your blood isn't this. And to to be quite frank, I don't really care because I know that I'm showing love to all these cultures. And my intention is that people can see that there are people that look like me and our culture is amazing and wonderful and delicious. Yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of my little background of my history. It's a little bit complex. It but is, yeah. It makes me exactly who I am. Absolutely, yeah. You can't apologize for who you are. It's who you are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, one thing that kind of shaped you was growing up in a, a don't you call yourself a donut kid? Is that what you call kids who grow up in donut shops? Yep, I was a donut kid before I became the donut princess. Um, working at the donut shop since I was six years old, <laughs> standing on a little milk crate so I could reach the front. Um, I remember my mom would like. She like shove me towards the cash register, you know, here, give change. I'm like, so nervous, so shy. I think that's a big thing. I was a really shy kid. I was, uh-huh. I mean, if you think about it, I lived with my grandma and my uncles and I didn't talk to anybody. I was just, you know, hanging uh-huh. off my grandma, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, um, yeah. really learned how to break out of my shyness by working at the donut shop and being forced to be social with people. I think I've heard you say, too, that you, you just didn't know any different either. Like, you thought you kind of thought everyone was a donut kid for a while because all your oh, cousins yeah. and everyone was doing it, right? Oh, yeah. Like, um, I remember going to school and, you know, like, they'd be like, what do your parents do? Like, oh, we own a donut shop. They're like, that's so cool. Like, do you eat donuts all the time? <laughs> and I was like, wait, your, your family doesn't own a donut shop? <laughs> so confused. <laughs> yeah, and, and I've heard your, your podcast, you, you, sometimes you'll get on other donut kids and you guys share little war stories about growing up in the shop yeah i mean a donut kid's experience is you're 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 a little person and you know if you've had this donut shop for a while everybody knows that you're the daughter of the son Uh of the family yeah yeah and so you know i would like do my homework there. Right. <laughs> I'd, I'd chase my brother around there. Yeah. I'd go in and grab donut holes and eat them. The staff would pinch my cheeks. Right. And I would fold all the boxes. Seriously, like stacks of boxes. <laughs> my little hands. <laughs> yeah, you, you race your, your cousins and stuff. And who can fold them the fastest and stuff like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, except... I didn't have very many cousins in our area, so I folded all oh. of them. <laughs> And so, like, life, you know, 4 a.m. mornings and just waking up super early is just kind of the way it is. Yeah, Yeah, you know, 4 a.m., it's dark. There's nobody awake. There's something eerily uh, calming about waking up that early as I got older. Mm -hmm. But I absolutely hated working (laughs) when I was a kid. I hated waking up early. It was like 4 or 5 a.m., dragging my feet into the store, not missing all the cartoons, uh, yeah. Not getting to do a lot of the cool social things that the other kids got to do. But I actually look back and I'm really glad that my parents were able to have the donut shop and give that to us as a form of education, mm-hmm. you know, as a form of forming people skills and also getting to support them as they worked hard already. Working hard, yeah. 
So do I do I get this right too that you were kind of the the connector between Alice Goo and the whole Donut King documentary? Was she you were the first point of contact? Absolutely. A cold call. Yeah. She's just like if you can believe that. She's like, does anyone know anything about the Donut King? And you're like, let me tell you. <laughs> you're like, she's like, do you do you know how Ted Noyes? Are you are you a Cambodian donut shop? And I was like, yeah. It's like, do you know how Ted Noyes? I was like, yeah, that's my great uncle. <laughs> She's like, oh my gosh, really? She's like, well, I'm a filmmaker. I would love to cover your story. And I got to meet her. And, you know, I I knew that because she was Taiwanese-American, that she would hopefully do the story justice. Yeah, yeah. And I feel that the film was done very, very well. It's great. I, yeah. In fact, I learned a lot about my my own family mm-hmm. from from the documentary. And if you really look through that documentary, most of those pictures are people from my family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're in it too. I think in the first couple of minutes, you see a tired Maylee dragging herself out of bed at four. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so growing up, did you think your great uncle Ted's story was was as, that as amazing as it is, or was it just kind of like oh, that's, that's Uncle Ted? Well, growing up. My parents, they actually didn't want me anywhere near Uncle Ted Mm. because his reputation was great and then it was not so great. And I remember I would like – my brother and I would have to like sneak in the room to like play cards. But my mom was like, no, gambling is in the blood. We can't have you be gambling. It it doesn't turn out well. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I I honestly didn't know too much about him because my family was actually frightened for me to really get to know my uncle because of – he wasn't really in the best place uh, by by around the time that I was able to ask questions. Mm -hmm. But I did know that, you know, he had a lot of donut shops. He had a big gambling problem. And actually, through making the Donut King film, I got to connect with him in Cambodia. Mm. We did like a little Vice interview Mm. with him and filmed out there and really got to, you know, get to know him a little bit more. Um, He's around 80 years old. He's still hustling in his own is it in his own way but i'm so glad the documentary was made because it's just like a way that we can document something for cambodian americans and there are just so many cambodian families who were able to be supported from owning donut shops and just telling the story so that americans and the world can really know that what cambodians went through before the donut shops sure yeah a lot of people would come up to me and be like, oh, my God, that's why my corner donut <laughs> shop was Asian. I never huh? asked them. And I was like, well, now you, know. now you know. And it's pretty great because even when I visit donut shops in L.A., I was like, do you know Ted Noy? Do you know the donut king? And they're like, yeah, we know him. Yeah. And I'm like, this is dope. I'm yeah. just like grandies. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really great. I-, I thought it was really well done. And you can watch it on Hulu or I think there's some other places you can watch it as well. But, um, yeah, it just tells the story and it kind of explains the phenomenon, right? <laughs> where you where you walk into a donut, like I live in San Francisco and I see donut shops with Cambodian owners and I'm just kind of like, I wonder if they know Uncle Ted, you know, <laughs> because there was this big phenomenon in the 70s. Uh, Ted Noy came over with nothing, like zero anything and was just hustling, took a course at Winchell's and you know, learned how to make donuts and got his first shop for, what, 20000 Thirty thousand dollars, something like that, and then just kept growing and growing. And then at one point, what was the what was the stat? I, I forget what like ninety percent of 
donut shops in California were Cambodian owned at one point. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah, Cambodians ended up driving a lot of uh, big chains out of business. Like, as like well. Duncan and Winchell's, you know, like these are household names, you know. And yeah, it was just an amazing story. And then you got to watch it, but you know, it doesn't end super great, but it's it's on the uprise, it's on the uptick. And and in the movie, you see uh, Chuang Li, which is Meili's mom. She she's featured pretty prominently. And was it kind of like through that you realized, man, my mom only got to tell part of her story and I want to tell the rest of the story. And so you st- you started thinking about writing the book? I actually thought about writing this book when I was eight years old. Oh, wow. Okay. That was actually the first time I was like, I want to write a book on this. And my mom was like, no, you're not going to be an author. Like, you're going to be a business person. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, I, I always had that idea since I was young. I, I really... I think that the way that the film showed my mom was great. And yes, I believe that her story is also like there's layers of her story, especially her immigration story, her story of coming here as a as a woman um, living, trying to live again between two worlds of super traditionalism and then coming here to America. But my mom's story is like it's. It doesn't have that gambling downfall, you know? It has uh-huh. this, like, like this little girl from this little town survived a war, came here, hustled, and was able to build a donut empire. I mean, that is that is the yeah. American dream right there. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you, if you read this book, it's called An American Dream with Sprinkles. And the first two-thirds of it, more than a half of it, is the story of how... Uh, Chong Lee gets out of Cambodia. So she was like nine, ten years old. Yeah. And and the stories come one after another. You're like, oh my gosh, there's like so many. Like, I think, you know, most of us maybe by the time we're 30 might have one friend that died or, you know, something really tragic to us. But by the time she was 12, she had seen people die. She had seen her relatives die. And it just... The Khmer Rouge is just a tough, tough story to, to be a part of. And, and she was a little kid. Yeah, she, she's seen so many atrocities and had to go through so many things that we have never even thought of going through. Like, yeah. I think like her experience. So you, have you ever seen those like survivalist shows? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So like, it's kind of like that, but with yeah. no, no medic that's going to come save you. No production uh-huh. crew, but like. You know, she tells me stories of she's eating like insects. She's uh-huh. like finding jungle potatoes. Like yeah. their her parents are hungry and like they're on their journey to try to escape and they have no rice. Like there are just so many terrible things that she has seen. And a, a big another part that was not highlighted in the film was there was a group of refugees that went through Ghost Mountain, which mm. is I think in chapter eight of my book. It talks about how the first time she got to Thailand, hoping she could get into this refugee camp, that the Thai soldiers actually, for some reason, if you didn't have a sponsor, they put you on a separate bus, drove you 12 hours, and dropped you off to these bomb-filled mountains bordering Thailand and Cambodia, Phnom Damrek. And that is where she, she says, like, she was like, I thought I was going to die here. I lost all of my yeah. hope when she saw yeah. literally half open dead bodies, uh-huh. uh, kids leaving their moms, like who couldn't go on. Like 
there are so many things that she witnessed during this time that yeah. I I just wanted people to figure fi- figure out these lessons through a book than like to live through it. And I I think these lessons of like kindness, perseverance, uh, reverence for your family, you know, sticking huh. together. These are things that I never want lost in today's world. Even yeah. when like the world is getting more convenient and uh-huh. easier, that we can't forget that the world was like this for someone. Yeah. Did Did you write it a, a good part of it more for yourself and for your mom, just to have this on paper and to be able to pass it on, as well as to sell it for to tell other people as well? I wrote this actually to have it for the next generation. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's just me, but I think about legacy a lot. Like, I know I haven't mm-hmm. lived, like, half my life yet, but I'm like, <laughs> what am I going to leave in this world? Like, I yeah, can't yeah. waste it, you know? Like, every huh. minute counts. And I think, like, you know, one day when I have kids and they ask me, what did grandma, like, where was grandma from? What did grandma do? And I want them to, like, be able to reference this book Get the details down because when I lived with my grandma and I was young, I didn't ask her these questions. You know, I was too young to, yeah, to, to understand the significance of knowing about your ancestors and knowing where they came from. Yeah. But by the time like I was ready to ask her those questions, my, my grandma already had like dementia and Alzheimer's, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I was like, I need, I need to, to, to hold on to this information. Yeah. Otherwise it'll be lost with memory. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they're not really dinner table topics that come up, you know, at Thanksgiving or anything. So it's good. You got to kind of get in the mood and, and sit down and really hash these out. But yeah, it's really, it's really amazing story. And, you know, props to your mom. Like, I <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but when I read those, I was just kind of like, man, I am so soft. <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah. I'm the softest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like a little bit warm outside or, you know, I got chapped lips or something. And I'm like, oh, man, where's my, where's my bliss deck when I need it, you know? But like, your mom, yeah. There are things that I complain to my mom about that she just looks at me and she's like, you are soft. Like, <laughs> you know, you're sensitive. But yeah, we live in totally different worlds. And she always reminds me, like, you were born at the right time. And I do yeah. think about that. Like, not yeah. only living in a, in a free country, but being a woman who has rights and the ability mm-hmm. to drive a car and go to get education. Like, yeah. I, I definitely think that I'm super lucky. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, hearing about your mom's story makes you realize, okay, you know, we we can't waste, like you said before, we can't waste this, you know, we've been given this gift, yeah. All right, so, so what about your story? So you... We're growing up in the donut shop and you're studying hard in school, seems like, right? Because you get into UC San Diego mm-hmm. and you're thinking to yourself, okay, this is my ticket. I'm going to get a good degree. I'm, gonna, I'm going to a great college. I don't want to wake up at 4 a.m. anymore. <laughs> what, what was the plan going into college? So my mom said, hey, you would be a great news reporter. I think you, <laughs> you really, you're really great at speaking and people love you. So why don't you explore that? I was like, all right, mom, I'll study communications. So... Three and a half years go by, it's senior year, uh, and I have an internship at the NBC over there. Mm-hmm. And after my internship, I realized this was not for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> News reporters get up even earlier than donut shop people. <laughs> and I did not like that with broadcast journalism, it was all about ratings. So there might be a story that I felt 
people needed to hear, but it would get overruled by a story about the military or puppies or murder. Like, you know, that like that headline catching news. Like I didn't I didn't want to dedicate my life to just getting ratings on TV for that. Mm -hmm. And I feel that ever since I was in high school and you're posed with that question of like, what is your passion? Yeah. It's like, I don't know. You know, <laughs> I I don't know. I think to this day, I'm still trying to figure it out. Sure. Yeah. So uh, graduated uh, that day. My mom and dad were so happy. You know, I think my mom <laughs> might have cried at that time. Uh-huh. And uh, it's the summertime. I actually take an internship uh, at UCSD for their marketing and PR. I was like, you know, trying to get inspired. My mom calls me at the end. She's like, so you're going to come home. We really need your help at the donut <laughs> shop. I was like, ah. And I looked at my mom. I was like, you know, you're getting a lot older. Like, she, I'd seen she'd age, you know. it's Time mm-hmm. goes by. And I was like, all right, I'll come help you at the donut shop again. <laughs> but mm-hmm. this time I came back with a totally different perspective. Um during college, you know, you're living on your own. I got to travel abroad, got to experience travel and like cuisine and culture and trends. And I just came back with a totally different type of perspective. I I remember dragging my feet through the donut shop, <laughs> like hands on the showcase, just like, oh my God, what am I doing I'm here? In the donut shop. <laughs> I'm smelling like donuts again. <laughs> And, but I was like, you know what? I bet I, I really want my vision is I want everybody to know about this donut shop. And I already knew that my family pro- brought out a very great product. You know, a Cambodian donut yeah. is yeah. one of the best <laughs> things that you could ever have here in America. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to work on the marketing, the branding, and just. I want to be different than other donut shops. I don't want to just be yeah. like that donut shop on the corner. Like I want to be like the donut shop that people talk about. Yeah. yeah. So start off with a logo. Uh, when I thought about the logo, I wanted it to be uh, something family friendly, groovy with that like 80s kind of look. Like our uh-huh. previous logo was a very groovy like. From the 70s. From the 70s. <laughs> like t- that type of groovy. But I kind of like. Yeah. Retroed it to like a little 80s and 90s. Uh-huh. Uh, brought some color into it, some light. Uh, I started making little t-shirts. This uh-huh. is DK? This is DK? Yes, Dunks. DK's. Yeah. And, and so their marketing up to that point was put up a sign, turn on the lights and hope people come in. That was kind of like their, their main mode of marketing at uh, that point. There was like a huge bagel decal on the <laughs> side. Of, that was atrocious. <laughs> I was like, we have to get rid of this. Uh-huh. Um, I remember... When I was younger, just coming to the donut shop and helping my parents correct the things that were spelled wrong, you know, because uh-huh, my parents yeah. never got an right. education. Sure. So I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm like, Dad, this blueberry spelled wrong. There's no two. There's no blueberry. <laughs> <laughs> and um, really upgrading their signage. So uh, believe it or not, there's actually one main company. It's called like Apple Apple Signs, and they're in Orange County. Mm-hmm. And they came to our donut shop to take pictures of the croissant sandwiches and the bagels and like the burritos that are on that really ugly, like green background, <laughs> pink background type of signage. And 
what Apple Signs did is they just copied and used our image and used those for every other donut shop. <laughs> oh, man. So when you walk into a donut shop, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> but yeah, I really just wanted to beautify the shop. I wanted to feel welcoming and fun. And I wanted it to feel like donut heaven when you walked in. Mm-hmm. And so everything that I did in that store related to that. Yeah. Um, the boxes were another thing. So as you learn in the film and why the donut boxes are pink, it's actually because of my great uncle Ted yeah. as, as basically an Asian economical move. Cause pink <laughs> is pink boxes were cheaper and, you know, some say they signify luck and happiness, but really it was cheaper. And I was like, <laughs> We every donut shop has pink boxes. Like we can still have them, but let's just upgrade it a little bit. So yeah, and then so I decided to rebrand them, make it fun again with that whole donut heaven theme. You know, have our contacts on there so that when people received this item, they knew that they were getting a gift. They knew that they were getting something special. Like you, you're excited when you see it. Like. Kind of yeah. like when you see like a Tiffany's box yeah, yeah. <laughs> or something. You're like, oh, I know something's yeah. really good in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you got an Instagram account for the shop and you started growing. I did. So I started an Instagram account for DK's Donuts. It was zero. <laughs> <laughs> and looking at that daunting number. Yeah. I remember when I got my first hundred followers, I was like, yes, <laughs> I did it. I got a hundred followers. And slowly started building and dedicating a lot of time to build community on there and to really showcase my creativity. Mm-hmm. And um, before we sold DKs, I actually built it to 90K. Yeah. And really, really proud of that because it, it takes entire teams yeah, yeah. to build something like yeah. that. And for me to be able to, you know, work with influencers, work with partnerships, um, really, I, I mean, I took most of those photos myself. Uh-huh, uh-huh. On my iPhone and yeah. and really just figuring out what people wanted to see and delivering that to them. Mm-hmm. And upgraded the uh, offerings, you know, <laughs> mixed it up a little bit. Oh, yeah. The first creation that I put on there was the Ube Donut. Uh-huh. And it's really funny because Santa Monica has like predominantly like white people. <laughs> so they're like... Oob donut. Oob. What's an oob donut? And I'm like, it's ube. They're like, why is it purple? I'm like, it's a purple yam. Uh-huh. Really popular in Filipino desserts. And that was actually inspired from my best friend growing up. She showed me all these ube types of desserts. I was like, this is delicious. It tastes like taro, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and I really wanted to bring that flavor to the public. And Lo and behold, it became such a big trend afterwards. Like sure, there's ube yeah. ice cream, there's ube waffles, like there's so many ube things now and I love mm-hmm. it. And then I brought, you know, some specialty items, um, which include the O-Nut. We, we used to call it the D-K-R-O-N-U-T. <laughs> but the word cronut is actually trademarked and yeah. I received a cease and desist letter because we yeah. had brought that to LA for the first time. Like that was LA's first O-Nut Cronut. Yeah, it wasn't like you stole the recipe, but you just, just like you fused a croissant with a donut, you know, like. Yeah, we made our own recipe and, you know, quite frankly, my mom was the genius behind it. Uh, my brother and I were in the were in the kitchen trying to figure it out and be like, had like Figured it out probably like 60%. And mom's like, she came in. She just made it look really great and taste great. 
And she's the mastermind behind, we had like almost 30 something flavors at one time of them. And she, she like personally made all the creams, all the different, uh, toppings. We had like a Thai tea cream one. We had matcha. We had like even like a Ryan Seacrest (laughs) omnut with like cocoa butter and all this stuff. Yeah. It was like very, very delicious and a very crazy time. Like we had orders that went on an entire wall that we couldn't fill fast enough. People waited hours for the next batch. Wow. Wow. Yeah. But at this time, I mean, your mom's getting a little tired and you're, you're kind of wanting to do other things or what was the conversation like when, you know, you're kind of thinking, what should we do next? And you ultimately decided to sell. What, What was that like? Yeah. So, I mean, DK's was just getting busier and busier. We were getting really popular. And my mind was all on like continuing to add, continuing to improve. And I started to develop a foot condition called plantar fasciitis from actually working a lot in the store, like standing up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I worked. I worked graveyard shifts. Sometimes I worked 24 hours because certain oh. employees wouldn't show up. And actually, and you guys are open twenty four. Yes, we've. Oh, I don't even know where the key is. Like we have <laughs> never closed our doors. the The reason why is because after the pandemic happened, our staff ended up like either being too afraid of COVID, moving on, but we lost probably like sixty five percent of our staff. Yeah. So all of that work fell on my mom and I, mm-hmm. and I think one day my mom just had this realization of like. I should live my life, you know, like I, I shouldn't spend like my whole life in this donut shop anymore. And my, my whole like purpose was to help my family, to help my mom. And if she, I knew I couldn't do it without her. She's literally my, my partner in donuts. And I just knew that I had to also move on from it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I mean, it, it sounds like it was a tough decision, but ultimately, I think it had to be made because <laughs> unless you wanted to do it by yourself, you know, that would have been. A- yeah, you know, it's definitely super bittersweet because I spent most of my life in this shop and I had built so many amazing relationships and so many cool partnerships. Like, this is my identity. Yeah. And so when I, you know, my mom kind of delivered the news, it was so. It was, it was heartbreaking, but also happy at the same time. I can and imagine, yeah. when you think of like food concepts, the whole purpose should be for you to build it and to sell it and to move on. Yeah. And quite frankly, I just don't know how much longer we could have held on without the right help. And yeah. I think, you know, without my mom, she's like, so she was just like a commander in, yeah. in the whole shop. So, you know, when she was done, I was like, you know what, I I think that I can live my life and kind of be known for more than just donuts mm-hmm. and really just continue to figure out what those passions are. Yeah. You're still a little involved. You'll deliver a bouquet of donuts if someone asks for one, donutprincessla.com, and you can order your loved one. What kind of things do you got there? You got six packs, you got dozens. What do you What do you deliver? We have donut bouquets. We have dozens uh, with all like a handwritten card and uh, with ribbon and everything. So it's 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 really to give that 
gift of happiness. Like one of my love languages is gifts and acts of service uh-huh. and also food. So it just, it just <laughs> satisfies that like, oh my God, I made their day with, yeah. with this concept. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. I, I, you know, it would be a hit in my house for sure. I have a daughter who loves donuts. She will go bonkers for a bouquet of donuts. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also like a kind of like a gender neutral type of gift too. Cause also guys, most, (laughs) I feel like 30% is like mostly guys that are gifted these. Cause it's like, you can't give them flowers. Right. (laughs) And who doesn't like a donut, right? (laughs) (laughs) So then you're on your own now. So you're doing your own businesses. Uh, You took what you learned from promoting DK's. And now you're applying it to all different kinds of businesses? Yeah. I I understand the world we live in now. You know, people eat with their eyes. Mm-hmm. And there is such a power behind social media that a lot yeah. of brands and companies are not on board with yet. And mm-hmm. I've proven it with my donut concept. I will continue to prove it again with all the different clients I have for our agency and, you know, I think it's, it, it, it turns on that creativity button in my brain uh-huh. of like, all right, how are we going to, how are we going to have some fun with this? Yeah. And are a lot of these mom and pops kind of really look like your relatives a little bit or are they, are they <laughs> yeah. smaller shops? Yeah. You know, they, it ranges to donut shops, restaurants, um, business owners that they, they, they know now that social media is powerful, but they just don't know how to do it. Yeah. So we have a few models where it's like, we do it for you or we consult and teach you how to. Uh-huh. And it's like social media is, you know, a free tool for you to really take advantage of. And if you think about it, everybody's on their phones like all mm-hmm. the time now. We wake up, we're on our phones, we're on the yeah. toilet, we're on the phones, we're <laughs> in the car, we're on our phones. Yeah. Like, it's it's a never ending thing. So why not really, you know, showcase what you have on those platforms? Yeah. Did did working with your mom in the initial coming back from college thing, did that help you learn how to talk to, to folks that maybe another generation or maybe a little scared of social media? Did you did you learn how to kind of finesse it to kind of like, okay, look, this is what we're gonna do. It's not gonna hurt you. Yeah, you know, my mom, I think she was like my biggest opponent when it came to adding social media because (laughs) she was like, what are you doing? Like taking pictures and videos of everything. Like that's our recipe. Like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, mom, just trust me. (laughs) Like, I know it sounds crazy, but I think this is going to be really good for us. And it was only until she saw sales come in where she was like, (laughs) okay. She's like, and then I, I caught her being like, have you followed our Instagram? And I was like, <laughs> I did my work here. She has, she, she's turned around. She, she bought in. Yeah. Once she sees the, the big orders coming in, that was the thing. Yeah. And, she, she, and like people, customers are coming in like, oh yeah, I saw you guys on Instagram. Like, and she was just like, oh, oh. And it kept <laughs> happening over and over. You're like, I'm from London. Like I found you on Instagram. I'm from Australia. I right. found you on Instagram. She's like, Oh, she's yeah. just like, you know, she's getting a little curious about it. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Do you have any advice? So I'm actually a high school teacher by day, and I have a lot of kids who, you know, I think it may be one of the more popular career options for, for kids. You know, they get to do a little creativity, 
And you know, they've actually offered to to do my social media for this little podcast. And I'm kind of like, ah, I don't know. Have you even listened to my podcast? <laughs> but uh, you have any advice for kids, like maybe high schoolers or college kids that might be thinking about trying to get into this kind of social media marketing or consulting? Or what, what kind of advice would you give for someone who wanted to be a, in this kind of industry? I say go for it, you know? So my advice for high school students, if they're looking to get into social media, social media marketing, is that absolutely, yes, there is uh-huh. a, a huge need in the market to understand social media and marketing. It can just stretch across any industry. So let's just say you master social media marketing. You can work in all different industries and offer that new type of way of thinking, the way of presenting information, products and services. And if you're thinking about starting off, you know, there's so much, there's so much on the internet that you can learn, but the best way is to do a little bit of research and then go out and either find a mentor or work under someone and just see how they do it and practice yourself because you'll start to develop your own your own voice, your own storytelling angle, uh, the way that you shoot. And I would say, you know, this is a great time to get into it just because it is such a big part of our world and will continue to be one. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I'm a dinky little podcast, but, you know, I've gotten some quote unquote big guests, you know, and and it's all through social media. You know, I don't know these people enough. Like you, I just shot you a DM and you got back to me. That's how it works, man. So, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm a little older, so it took a little while for me to figure it out and I'm still haven't totally, but yeah, it's fun and being able to build something from the ground up is really satisfying and so yeah, so kids out there, <laughs> we we support you. Whatever you want to do, you give it a try. You can't. You have nothing to lose, almost, right? Exactly. I was going to say another thing to add on why you want to get into social media marketing is because not only are you helping the brand tell their story and present the things that they're offering, but it gives them so much more visibility when they're on the internet, and you're able to be discovered. Actually, you know it in a worldwide type of thing instead of like just being known in your small town. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just like, it's very powerful if you know how to use it correctly. Yeah. It's amazing. Like, you know, like I said, I'm not a big podcast, but it's so fun to see a download from Thailand or a download from all over the world. And it's just, it's neat to, to connect with people. So, all right, guys, everyone out there, go check out DonutPrincessLA.com. You can see what Maylee's up to. Uh, what's new for you or what's next for you? You're working on some new projects? Yeah, I mean, I currently am writing, co-writing a uh, live action series with two other writers. Uh-huh. And it's going to be a about a multi-generational Cambodian family who owns a donut shop. And we're going to pitch it to Nickelodeon. Uh-huh. So that's going to be super exciting. And we just started working on that. I am continuing to promote my book and I get to actually speak at the FBI office really? uh, for API month. Uh-huh. And I have a few other places that I'm speaking at. We will be having an event in Pepperdine University in September. Um, also with Fung Huynh. She actually created this exhibition for Donut Kids. And we're going to get to do a really great event together over there in September. And in the meantime, just, you know, managing all the different projects I'm in Uh and just finding a little bit more balance in my life. Um, I would say 
being a donut kid, being a donut princess was super fun, but it was also a heavy burnout. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't really taking care of myself the way that I can now with more time. Mm -hmm. And also just helping restaurant owners who want to take their business to the next level. Uh, either they don't know how to create captivating content and they you know, they want to sh- me to show them how. So that keeps me pretty busy. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. Sounds like it. Oh, yeah. And you're getting married. <laughs> and I'm getting married um, next year. So all right. It's an exciting all right. Time. So never a dull moment with the Donut Princess. <laughs> All right, Maylee Tao, you have survived our difficult questions. It is time for our lightning round. You ready? Okay. All right, let's do this. Now, I don't know. Do you eat donuts? But what is your favorite donut? Oh, that's such a hard question. Everybody <laughs> asks me that question. Um, the glazed donut, if you can get your hands on one hot out of the fryer. Yeah. The ube donut, the Samoa donut. Okay, that didn't really answer your question. There's no favorite donut. <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm so I'm so vanilla. I'll go raised glazed. I'll go raised glazed every time. <laughs> That's how you know uh, the quality of a donut shop. Yeah. By the way, you can tell by how light yeah. or heavy it is. That's yeah. how you know the glazed donut. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like the benchmark. So you, you yeah. order that one first, and then go back and get the rest. <laughs> All right, so I know that on your Instagram you do some you do some chichao lessons for folks. You do word of the day and and things like that. Do you have a favorite saying in chichao that you like to say? I do, I do. So the phrase in chichao is "ha chai," which means it's like good food people don't know. But you you usually say that when like you're eating something with your family. And it's just so good that you don't really, like, people don't know how good it is. Uh, I know that's, uh-huh. like, really, like, if you're Chi Chow, you will understand that it's thing. kind of like a if you know, you know. Yeah, kind of. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, no, I love it. I love it. All I know, my, my wife has an uncle, and he'll say, Gaginang, you know, whenever we yeah. go into a restaurant. It basically means family or your word. It means family and any teacher person who hears that will instantly feel like that like trust of that like we're we're family we're family yeah and you might get treated better yeah no that's why he does it i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> all right so you know cambodia is an interesting place complex and interesting place and i think most most people probably don't mo- know much about cambodia other than you know the Khmer rouge from the war era and maybe donut shops now but what's something you think people should know about Cambodia? Since you've been there many times, what, what's something that you want people to know about Cambodia that we might not know? Well, growing up, it was very hard to explain to people because I'd be like, yeah, I'm Chinese Cambodian Thai. And they're like, what's Cambodia? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, oh, you know, it's a it's a place. But one thing that I would say about Cambodia is some of the most genuine, kindest, hardworking people have come from Cambodia. Mm. Cambodia is rich with amazing f- cuisines and fruits and nature. And it is continuing to modernize day by day. Mm. I believe that what happened in Cambodia was completely atrocious. 
and they are still recovering from that. But Cambodia is about to make its way to like world headlines and really progress in the next years. I think that everybody should try to visit Cambodia. Your dollars will go very far there. Yeah. (laughs) And it is some of the most amazing food that you'll ever have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you have some recs for us? Like, where, where would you visit? If you're first time going to Cambodia, yeah, maybe well, a- Cambodia's very large. So I would definitely say, like, Phnom Penh uh, is the main city, and the best places to eat are pretty much just, like, in the market. Like, you could go <laughs> mostly anywhere. You can definitely use, like, Google and, and stuff. Kampot has, like, very good seafood, like, the best crab I've ever had, uh-huh. just because it's right at the south. Uh-huh. Um, if you're looking to do some, like, more... Obviously, you have to go to Angkor Wat. It's, like, uh-huh. the, yeah. the like, this amazing structure that... Uh, the Angkorian Empire was actually all ruled by women uh-huh. and had built this basically a Hindu temple. And it is so immaculate. Go for sunrise. And, uh, you know, my my dad's from Batambang. It's more like rice patties and kind of more nature stuff. And uh-huh. I know a lot of people rent motorcycles and drive around Cambodia. I think it's a bit dangerous. But if you're the adventurous type, definitely <laughs> go and check that out. All right. I don't know. Are we going to see Donut Princess tours of Cambodia? Someday? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I'm I'm on more like a world tour. Okay. Okay. You got to see the world yourself first and then yeah. you maybe take it with you. All right. Yeah. I've been to Cambodia a lot already and, and it's great and fun. Um, but I do want to see, you know, other parts of the world too. There's a lot of cool places. Yeah. yeah there's a lot of cool places out there. All right. Well, we like to end our interviews by asking our guests who their infatuation is. An infatuation is anyone in the Asian community who has inspired you. It could be living or deceased. So, Meili Tao, who is your infatuation? My infatuation would be, at this very moment, um, Jenny Mai. She is like a host, and now she's a mom. And I love just the way that she is able to speak up. And she speaks mm. so clearly and she just speaks so relevantly. And I really look up to her for that. I don't, I, mm-hmm. I hope that one day I will cross paths with her, but I really love just like the way that she gets her messages across to the world. And where can we hear or watch her? We can see her on. She has Instagram. I she, she was on like The View too. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. Yeah. No, we love other creators. We love seeing faces out there that look like ours. It, it's always yeah. it's always so great, right? I love All right. it. Yeah. All right, Meili Tao. Thank you for coming on with us. Uh, thank you. Best for of luck me. in everything. Yeah, you're doing so much. I know your family is super proud of you. Everyone, go get a copy of An American Dream with Sprinkles on Amazon, or you could go to Meili's website, and she'll point you there too. Uh, you can follow Meili on Instagram at Meili Tao or her website www.donutprincessla.com So everyone out there, did you learn something? Did you did you enjoy hearing Maylee's story? So we hope that you did, and we are grateful for having Maylee. Thank you again, Maylee. Thank you. Don't forget, eat more donuts. Eat more donuts. <laughs> <laughs> but as always, we like to get your thoughts on our episode. You can write to us at infatuationpodcast at gmail.com. You can always follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Infatuation Podcast, and all these details will be in the show notes. You can also listen to Maylie's podcast at Short and Sweet, 
pretty much anywhere, right? Spotify, wherever you're listening to this podcast, yeah, you can find Short and Sweet. And so on behalf of Maylee and myself, we hope that you're all happy, healthy, and safe out there. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.